0: Hi friends, I am Annie F Downs. Let's read the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the stories of Jesus Christ's life on earth. The friendships, the parables, the sacrifices, the meals, the miracles. Each month we read all four books, so go ahead and subscribe today. Join us as we read the Gospels. If you get a chance to rate and review the show, that would mean a lot. Here's how it works. I'll read three chapters to you today. You can listen or read along in your own Bible, and then I'll pray, and that's it. So today is August 13th, day 13, and I'll be reading Mark chapters 8 through 10, and this month I'm reading from the message. Mark 8. At about the same time, he again found himself with a hungry crowd on his hands. He called his disciples together and said, This crowd is breaking my heart. They have stuck with me for three days, and now they have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll faint along the way. Some of them have come a long distance. His disciples responded, What do you expect us to do about it? Buy food out here in the desert? He asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they said. So Jesus told the crowd to sit down on the ground. After giving thanks, he took the seven bread loaves, broke them into pieces, and gave them to his disciples so they could hand them out to the crowd. They also had a few fish. He pronounced a blessing over the fish and told his disciples to hand them out as well. The crowd ate its fill. Seven sacks of leftovers were collected. There were well over 4,000 at the meal. Then he sent them home. He himself went straight to the boat with his disciples and set out for Dalmanutha. When they arrived, the Pharisees came out and started in on him, badgering him to prove himself, pushing him up against the wall. Provoked, he said, Why does this generation clamor for miraculous guarantees? If I have anything to say about it, you'll not get so much as a hint of a guarantee. He then left them, got back in the boat, and headed for the other side. But the disciples forgot to pack a lunch. Except for a single loaf of bread, there wasn't a crumb in the boat. Jesus warned, Be very careful. Keep a sharp eye out for the contaminating yeast of Pharisees and the followers of Herod. Meanwhile, the disciples were finding fault with each other because they had forgotten to bring bread. Jesus overheard and said, Why are you fussing because you forgot bread? Don't you see the point of all this? Don't you get it at all? Remember the five loaves I broke for the 5,000? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up? They said, 12. And the seven loaves for the 4,000. How many bags full of leftovers did you get? Seven. He said, do you still not get it? They arrived at Bethsaida. Some people brought a sightless man and begged Jesus to give him a healing touch. Taking him by the hand, he led him out of the village. He put spit in the man's eyes, laid hands on him and asked, do you see anything? He looked up. I see men. They look like walking trees. So Jesus laid hands on his eyes again. The man looked hard and realized that he had recovered perfect sight, saw everything in bright twenty-twenty focus. Jesus sent him straight home, telling him, don't enter the village. Jesus and his disciples headed out for the villages around Caesarea Philippi. As they walked, he asked, who do the people say I am? Some say John the Baptizer, they said. Others say Elijah. Still others say one of the prophets. He then asked, and you, what are you saying about me? Who am I? Peter gave the answer. You are the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus warned them to keep it quiet, not to breathe a word of it to anyone. He then began explaining things to them. It is necessary that the Son of Man proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried and found guilty by the elders, high priests, and religion scholars, be killed, and after three days, rise up alive. He said this simply and clearly so they couldn't miss it. But Peter grabbed him in protest, turning and seeing his disciples wavering, wondering what to believe. Jesus confronted Peter. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? If any of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading you when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when He arrives in all the splendor of God, His Father, with an army of the holy angels. Mark 9. Then he drove it home by saying, "'This isn't pie in the sky, by and by. "'Some of you who are standing here "'are going to see it happen, "'see the kingdom of God arrive in full force.'" Six days later, three of them did see it. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out right before their eyes. His clothes shimmered, glistening white, whiter than any bleach could make them. Elijah, along with Moses, came into view in deep conversation with Jesus. Peter interrupted, Rabbi, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking, stunned as they all were by what they were seeing. Just then, a light, radiant cloud enveloped them, and from deep in the cloud, a voice, This is my son, marked by my love. Listen to him. The next minute, the disciples were looking around, rubbing their eyes, seeing nothing but Jesus, only Jesus. Coming down the mountain, Jesus swore them to secrecy. Don't tell a soul what you saw. After the Son of Man rises from the dead, you're free to talk. They puzzled over that, wondering what on earth rising from the dead meant. Meanwhile, they were asking, why do the religion scholars say that Elijah has to come first? Jesus replied, Elijah does come first and get everything ready for the coming of the Son of Man. They treated this Elijah like dirt, much like they will treat the Son of Man, who will, according to Scripture, suffer terribly and be kicked around contemptibly. When they came back down the mountain to the other disciples, they saw a huge crowd around them, and the religion scholars cross-examining them. As soon as the people in the crowd saw Jesus, admiring excitement stirred them. They ran and greeted him. He asked, What's going on? What's all the commotion? A man out of the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my mute son, made speechless by a demon, to you. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and goes stiff as a board. I told your disciples, hoping they could deliver him, but they couldn't. Jesus said, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. They brought him. When the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. He asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? Ever since he was a little boy, many times it pitches him into the fire or the river to do away with him. If you can do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. Jesus said, if. There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than the father cried. Then I believe. Help me with my doubts. Seeing that the crowd was forming fast, Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders. Dumb and deaf spirit, I command you out of him and stay out. Screaming and with much thrashing about it left. The boy was pale as a corpse. So people started saying, he's dead. But Jesus, taking his hand, raised him. The boy stood up. After arriving back home, his disciples cornered Jesus and asked, why couldn't we throw the demon out? He answered, there is no way to get rid of this kind of demon except by prayer. "'Leaving there, they went through Galilee. "'He didn't want anyone to know their whereabouts, "'for he wanted to teach his disciples. "'He told them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed "'to some people who want nothing to do with God. "'They will murder him. Three days after his murder, he will rise alive. "'They didn't know what he was talking about, "'but were afraid to ask him about it. "'They came to Capernaum. "'When he was safe at home, he asked them, "'What were you discussing on the road? "'The silence was deafening. "'They had been arguing with one another "'over who among them was greatest.' He sat down and summoned the twelve. So you want first place? Then take the last place. Be the servant of all. He put a child in the middle of the room. Then, cradling the little one in his arms, he said, whoever embraces one of these children as I do embraces me, and far more than me, God who sent me. John spoke up. Teacher, we saw a man using your name to expel demons, and we stopped him because he wasn't in our group. Jesus wasn't pleased. Don't stop him. No one can use my name to do something good and powerful and in the next breath slam me. If he's not an enemy, he's an ally. Why, anyone by just giving you a cup of water in my name is on our side. Count on it that God will notice. On the other hand, if you give one of these simple childlike believers a hard time bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you had it. You'd be better off dropped in the middle of the lake with a millstone around your neck. If your hand or your foot gets in God's way, chop it off and throw it away. You're better off maimed or lame and alive than the proud owner of two hands and two feet, godless in a furnace of eternal fire. And if your eye distracts you from God, pull it out and throw it away. You're better off one-eyed and alive than exercising your 2020 vision from inside the fire of hell. Everyone's going through a refining fire sooner or later, but you'll be well-preserved, protected from the eternal flames. Be preservatives yourself preserve the peace. Mark 10. From there, he went to the area of Judea across the Jordan. A crowd of people, as was so often the case, went along, and he, as he so often did, taught them. Pharisees came up, intending to give him a hard time. They asked, Is it legal for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus said, What did Moses command? They answered, Moses gave permission to fill out a certificate of dismissal and divorce her. Jesus said, Moses wrote this command only as a concession to your hard-hearted ways. In the original creation, God made male and female to be together. Because of this, a man leaves father and mother, and in marriage, he becomes one flesh with a woman, no longer two individuals, but forming a new unity. Because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate his art by cutting them apart. When they were back home, the disciples brought it up again. Jesus gave it to them straight. A man who divorces his wife so he can marry someone else commits adultery against her, and a woman who divorces her husband so she can marry someone else commits adultery. The people brought children to Jesus, hoping he might touch them. The disciples shooed them off, but Jesus was irate and let them know it. Don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. Mark this, unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. Then gathering the children up in his arms, he laid his hands of blessing on them. As he went out into the street, a man came running up, greeted him with great reverence and asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, honor your father and mother. He said, teacher, I have from my youth kept them all. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. He said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth and come follow me. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear, and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. Looking at his disciples, Jesus said, do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? The disciples couldn't believe what they were hearing, but Jesus kept on. You can't imagine how difficult. I'd say it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for the rich to get into God's kingdom. That got their attention. Then who has any chance at all? They asked. Jesus was blunt. No chance at all. If you think you can pull it off by yourself, every chance in the world, if you let God do it, Peter tried another angle. We left everything and followed you. Jesus said, mark my words, no one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land, whatever, because of me and the message will lose out. They'll get it all back, but multiplied many times in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land, but also in troubles. And then the bonus of eternal life. This is once again the great reversal. Many who are first will end up last and the last first. Back on the road, they set out for Jerusalem. Jesus had a head start on them, and they were following, puzzled and not just a little afraid. He took the twelve and began again to go over what to expect next. Listen to me carefully. We're on our way up to Jerusalem. When we get there, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the religious leaders and scholars. They will sentence him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Romans, who will mock and spit on him, give him the third degree, and kill him. After three days, he will rise alive. James and John, Zebedee's sons, came up to him. Teacher, we have something we want you to do for us. What is it? I'll see what I can do. Arrange it, they said, so that we will be awarded the highest places of honor in your glory, one of us at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said, you have no idea what you're asking. Are you capable of drinking the cup I drink, of being baptized in the baptism I'm about to be plunged into? Sure, they said, why not? Jesus said, come to think of it, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized in my baptism. But as to awarding places of honor, that's not my business. There are other arrangements for that. When the other 10 heard of this conversation, they lost their tempers with James and John. Jesus got them together to settle things down. You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, he said. And when people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. They spent some time in Jericho. As Jesus was leaving town, trailed by his disciples and a parade of people, a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting alongside the road. When he heard that Jesus the Nazarene was passing by, he began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, mercy, have mercy on me. Many tried to hush him up, but he yelled all the louder, Son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped in his tracks. Call him over. They called him. It's your lucky day. Get up. He's calling you to come. Throwing off his coat, he was on his feet at once and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what can I do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. On your way, said Jesus, your faith has saved and healed you. And that very instant, he recovered his sight and followed Jesus down the road. That is Mark 8 through 10 in the message. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, I believe you at the end of Mark 9, where you say everyone's going through a refining fire sooner or later. There are so many of us who are feeling it sooner rather than later and are in the middle of it. And whether it's our pain or someone else's pain, it still refines us. So today, would you just be a cooling presence in the lives of people going through refining fires? God, anyone who feels like their life is on fire, would you be like, um, I just picture like one of those wet towels that they put over fires? God, would you just be a wet towel today over any kind of refining fire that is just too much? Would you lighten it today? We love you, Jesus. We thank you for scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.